Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following program is brought to you by the Preferred Home Team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, a forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Prasky with Remax Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a Lakeshore and Luxury Home Specialist. Together they cover the Twin Cities. This combined dynamic duo has sold over 2,000 homes, ranked in the top 1% nationwide, top 10 in the state of Minnesota and still have time to get together every Saturday to talk about real estate. Here's Abby Prasky and Chris Rooney, Denny Law, and the Real Estate Radio Hour. Answering your real estate questions, as we always like to do, either by phone or by text. Uh, and I'll give you the phone number and text number in, in just a moment. I see Chris. I don't see Andy. I know. He's, he's vacationing. He's on, over on... Family uh, vacation, yeah, right? Yeah, to Mexico. We so, did. Yeah. Good for him. All right, good for him. Get away. Yep. It's all going to start up again real soon. Now, so. yes, it will. Now, I suppose because of the holiday, things have kind of slowed down for you in the yeah. last seven days. Yeah, these next two days are bad. But then again, yesterday we got uh, three showings set up uh, on a Friday, so it was it was quite interesting. But for this weekend, yeah, they were set up yesterday for last night. Oh, for last night. The same property oh. that's been on the market for a little while. So okay. you just you don't know. So uh, well, we what's your a couple what, sold this week? Here it so is, almost fun. New Year's Day, yeah. and a whole new year. Have you got any uh, in your crystal ball there? Your real estate crystal ball? Are you are you feeling positive? Oh yeah, I'm, but I'm always positive. You are, yeah. But <laughs> the, but the reason I am too is because uh, I've got. I mean, we've been doing a lot of market analysis, and and people that have already bought like new construction that now need to sell their homes. And uh, that's that's always a good sign, you know. People people are buying, and they were they're buying non contingent. Ah, you know, they're buying what they have to do, and now we have to get their house sold. And it's all about timing. And it was interesting because I was talking to someone uh, that lives on the lake, and the lake is is a timing thing. Usually, like we like it blue and green, so you can see the water and the and the grass, and it always looks the best. But there's also segments that hit, and they're like. Everyone's, you know, maybe some of those ranges are starting to go. So if it's a, a walkout rambler that's got somewhat of a flat lot, there's there's like people that want those, and so sometimes you got to get them on earlier. Mm. So there's a lot of strategy involved in, uh, in in some of those properties. If you have a real estate type of question, we're going to zero in on a certain topic or two, uh, which we'll get to in a moment. But let me give you the phone number and the text number: six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. If you want to call in your question. Or again, send in a text. You might know it eight one eight zero seven. A couple of Chris's in studio today. Yeah, well, Chris Maholds with us, um, MFK and Associates. He's uh, he's an accountant that's been with us many times, and we always like to try to get him in before the end of the year. So if there's any really 
good little tax benefits that you can do on Monday. Now he can talk about this. You can't exactly, and that's <laughs> we. And you know how many tax questions we get. Uh, yes. We get a ton of them. So yes. I thought we would uh, bring Chris in, and uh, now that Andy's not here, he'll get to talk too. <laughs> <laughs> Life is good. I hope Andy doesn't listen. <clears throat> Anyways, and my voice is going, but uh, I think what we sh- first should do, Chris, if you could, kind of explain what what are the tax. Um, you know, if if I'm going to own a house and live in a house, uh, what are the tax benefits? How much tax do I have to pay when I sell? And then maybe we could go on the investment side or a second home side as well. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, you know, just kind of starting it out from from a, a just owning your own home, kind of the tax benefits of that. Um, you can deduct the real estate taxes on that home, and you can deduct the mortgage interest you pay on that home. Now, the rules have changed this year a little bit compared to the past. Right, which is good. This is good to hear. Yep, yep. So so in the past, I could deduct um, the mortgage interest, real estate taxes, without a problem. As long as my mortgage, the mortgage on my home was less than a million dollars, not a problem, I could deduct it. Uh, under the new rules... Um, the, so we're not talking about Denny. <laughs> we're not talking about Denny, correct. correct. <laughs> under the new rules, um, as individuals, they've, they've changed the deductions a little bit. The standard deduction for a married couple has gone up to $24,000 from about a little over $12,000 in the past to $24,000. Um, and how it works is either I can deduct the standard deduction on my individual tax return, which would be $24,000, or I can itemize deductions and deduct those. And basically you look at those two, whichever is going to be more is what I would most likely deduct. But now, not the, more than $24,000. I can deduct more than $24,000. Okay, okay. Um, so if, if my... And, and the rules have changed a little bit. Um, in the past, I could deduct my state income taxes and real estate taxes. There was no limitation on that. Now I'm limited to $10,000 in total combined with my real estate tax and the taxes I pay to, say, the state of Minnesota or Iowa, those sorts of things with that. So the, the, the limitation of those is $10,000. So I can deduct as itemized deductions medical expenses over a limit, which is about 10% of your income. I can deduct medical expenses. I can deduct 10 $10,000 of taxes, up to $10,000 of taxes of real estate tax and income tax, and then my mortgage interest I can deduct also. So when I add those three things, and charitable contributions with that. So so if I add those up, let's say I have $1,000 of charitable contributions, I have uh, $15,000 of mortgage interest, and $10,000 of state income tax, I'd have $26,000 of itemized deductions. Well, that's more than my $24,000 standard deduction, so I'm going to deduct my itemized deductions in that case. Okay. On the flip side, let's say my mortgage interest is only $8,000. Now, it's my total itemized deductions are going to be less than the standard deduction of $24,000. So in that case, I would deduct, take the standard deduction because it's going to be more. So I'm getting kind of a free deduction on my tax return going forward with it. So, so as a married couple that's renting a house and a married couple that owns a house and they're uh, tax or their interest adjustment is let's just say the twenty four thousand dollars. They both get to deduct the same amount. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yep. Yep. So yeah. So if I'm renting, I won't have an, enough itemized deductions to itemize. So I'll take the standard deduction. If I own a house and say my mortgage interest combined with other deductions is less than twenty four thousand, I'm going to deduct twenty four thousand. Now again, if my mortgage interest was higher, you still get that. Yep. Yeah. Plus my itemized deduction, then I would take the itemized deduction on that. Okay. How about if I'm going to sell that house? I own a house. I've lived in it. Yep. Let's just kind of for at least two years. Yep. How so, does the tax base work? Yeah. So, 
So if I've lived in my house for for more than two years, two out of five years, um, and I sell it, as long as the gain on that home, if I'm married, is less than five hundred thousand dollars, I don't have to pay any tax on that. So if I if I buy the house for two hundred thousand dollars, live in it for three years, sell it, sell it for three hundred thousand dollars, I've got a gain of a hundred thousand dollars there that I don't have to pay tax on with that. Um, and if I'm single, the limit is two hundred fifty thousand dollars on the gain that I can exclude with that. So, well, which is which is a great way in which to be able to make some money in there. I exactly. do have a number of people that are on the two to three year plan, you yep. know, and that's what they're doing. They're going into homes, buying them, you know, and then making that money because it's tax free, you know. Right. So it's really a heck of a lot more money than yep. uh, then I can use that money to buy a new home with it. Buy a new home and or yeah, use it and then. Um, how about someone that's lived in that house for less than two years? So say I buy this house, I buy it for 300000 I sell it for three fifty, net three fifty yep. out of it, so I make 50000 and I've only been there a year. Yep. In that case, you're going to pay tax on that gain. So, that, so I bought it for three hundred, sell it for three I'm going to pay tax on that $50,000 gain. Now, and, and there are some exclusions with that um, what are know, under certain uh, circumstances. Um, How about relocation? Know, issues, um, some relocation, those sorts of things. So, okay. So, yep. So, you've got to look at those with that. So, consult your tax advisor if, if that situation comes up. Okay. And then how about as far as investment properties go? I own an investment property. I've owned it for five years. How's the yep. tax work? Yep. So, so, an investment property. So, I own a rental home. Um, I've rented it out for five years. haven't used it personally at all. Um, and I've taken depreciation on that home over the years. So, let's say we buy the house for $200,000 rent it out, sell it for $300,000, that gain of $100,000 is going to be taxable. I'm going to have to pay tax on that. And then plus, if I've taken some depreciation, let's say I paid $200,000, I've depreciated it $25,000, my base in that home drops to $175,000. So now I have a gain of $125,000 I have to pay tax on with that. Yeah. And then there's there's some ways in which to be able to alleviate that tax as well. By moving it into another property. Yeah, so there's there's what's called a, a like-kind exchange or a 1031 exchange with that. And and where you can, if it's a rental property, I can sell that rental property and buy a new rental property and defer the gain on that. So in, in that example, the $125,000 gain, I don't pay tax on it now. It reduces the basis in the new home, so I have less to depreciate. Ultimately, when you sell the rental property, the last rental property, you're going to pay tax on it at that time. Um, and and the, the rules are are very stringent on that. There's time frames on when you have to identify a new property, close on a new property. So if you're looking at doing that, definitely talk to a professional to make sure um, you're you're following the rules with that. And um, what's important too is that anything that you move to the next property has to be equal or greater than. Correct. So if you sold it for two hundred thousand, you have to buy a property for at least two hundred thousand. If you owned one, if you owed one fifty on it, you have to at least owe one fifty on it. And we have to move all that profit into it as correct, well. Correct, correct. Otherwise, you get taxed. Tell you what, uh, as we head to this break, uh, we'll alert our listeners if you have a, a, a real estate type of question or certainly one for Chris, uh, call it in or text it in, 651-989-9226. Send a text if you like, like some folks are already doing, 81807. Thank you, Morty. Welcome back to our real estate show. Uh, Denny Long here. Chris Rooney is here. Andy's taking the day off today. But those, uh, Chris, that uh, join us a little bit late, who did you bring? Yeah, it's Chris Mahold with MFK and Associates. 
our our resident accountant here. He can talk taxes where you cannot. He can talk them, yeah. So we welcome those type of questions, too, along with your regular real estate type of questions. We have callers. We have texters. Let's let's get to them. Scott is calling from Hudson, I believe. Go ahead, Scott. Thank you. Hey, good morning. I love listening to your show. Thank you. Your comment earlier about selling a house got me thinking about a scenario. I wonder if your guests can comment on the tax consequences. Okay. So my wife and I bought a house two and a half years ago for five hundred thousand. We've put about a hundred thousand dollars into it. Now, if we sold that house this summer, for example, and bought another house for say six thirty, can you describe a little bit any tax tax consequences or gains that I might incur? Go ahead, Mr. Uh, Mahold. Yeah, so so you so you bought the house for five hundred thousand dollars. You have a provence of a hundred thousand in. So how much are you how much you're selling it for? Six hundred thousand dollars. What do you if, think it's if worth? I, if I sold the house for six hundred after putting a hundred thousand in improvements, yes. Yeah, I mean, you bought it for five hundred thousand. You've put a hundred thousand dollars of improvements into it. So, actually, you'd have no gain on that house because really you've put six hundred thousand dollars into the house. And you're selling it for six hundred thousand, so there would be no gain or loss, and, and that's and and it wouldn't be taxable anyway, since the gain is less than five hundred thousand. You've lived in, lived in it for two or five years, so yeah. So I, so I think you're I think you're okay with that. So in reality, if he did five hundred thousand, could you do this? Put in a hundred thousand, so it's six hundred thousand you have into it. I sell it for one point one million. There's five hundred thousand dollars for two and a half years. He gets that five hundred thousand bucks. Correct. There'd be no gain on that. Right. All right. So good news for Scott. Very good. Line is open, 651-989-9226. Kevin is calling from Mendota. Kevin, the guys are listening. What's your question? Uh, My wife and I have two kids in college living near the U and combined paying about $2,000 a month in in rent with uh, apartments. Uh, Thinking about buying a home uh, to save them and us some money, uh, where I know I would at least save money, the mortgage would be cheaper than the two rents combined. Um, regarding should that home, would that be a second home? Would it be an investment property? We're thinking about buying a bigger home that maybe take a couple renters in, some of their friends for income. Uh, what should I be thinking about? And thank you. Excellent. I mean, I think there's a couple questions in there because you're gonna for the mortgage company, you're gonna have to determine whether that's a second home or an investment property as well, because that'll depend on down payment and stuff. But as far as the taxable, yeah. So, so for tax purposes, um, you know, it it can get a, a little complicated in that in those in those scenarios. One, if if you buy the second home and your daughters live in it for college, it's treated as a, a second home, no different than if I had a cabin up north, I'd be able to. to Duck the mortgage interest and real estate taxes. Uh, again, under the new rules, there's limitations that would, would apply to those, but th- those rules would kick in. Now, if if your daughters lived in there and you had renters in there, now you know it gets a little more complicated because now it's a rental property, but it's part personal use also. So so expenses can be limited on that. So so really in that scenario, you really need to talk to a tax professional to make sure you get the right answer with that. Yeah, and I think too. I mean, you you find that a lot in second home or a, a cabin where people will VRBO it or Airbnb where they're getting rental out of it. Now, is it really a second home? So I know there's little. Yeah. So 
I guess kind of in, in general, there there are rules that, I've, again, like I say, I've got a cabin that I'm renting out, and I rent it out most of the time. So it's a, I use that cabin for personal use more than 14 days during the year. Um, the deductions get limited, and if there's a loss from that property, the loss could be limited also where I wouldn't be able to deduct it. So um, so the, there are a lot of rules with that where if you're mixing personal use with rental or business, um, it really gets complicated at that point. And I'll tell you what, it is so smart to be able to you know, discuss this before you go out and buy it and then try to make it, figure it out. Um, and the other thing is, is, is buying a place down by the U., uh, is is not easy to do either. I mean, it's it's amazing. I mean, it's hot because a lot of people do exactly that, and it's a it's a great way in which to do it because the rents are super high, and if you can, you know, and th- those values aren't going down either right. over there. So it's just a, an idea about finding one. Before we break, we'll do that momentarily. I urge the folks on the line stay there. We'll get your questions answered. Here's a text that came in a bit ago. It says. Hello and Bonani. Do you think we'll go back to three to four percent interest rates in 2019? I don't. <laughs> there's there's different programs that you can do um, that have you know uh, their five year loans or seven year loans that you can kind of um, get into the force. But I just I just doubt that's going to happen. You doubt it? No. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll uh, take this break. We have another half hour of the show to go. So if you did not get your question answered the first half hour, still time to do that. Call it in or text it in on The Real Estate Show. And welcome back to The Real Estate Show here on this Saturday morning. If you have that kind of a uh, question uh, related to real estate, call it in or text it in. I see one line is open, 651-989-9226. Or if it's easier, like a lot of folks are doing, send a text, 81807. Chris and Chris, let's go back to the phones. Tom is calling from North Oaks. Tom, you're on CCO. Thanks for waiting. Thank you for your patience for, for waiting for me. Mm-hmm. I have a question. I've heard of these different things about, uh, you know, itemizing versus the standard deduction. But I don't know how it's affected uh, theft and casualty losses. I've had a significant number of things taken away, i.e. stolen. And I don't know if that is something I can do this year in terms of um, standard deduction versus itemizing. Okay, perfect. Mr. Mahold. Yeah, and he, so... In the in the past, if you had uh, theft lost or casualty lost, um, there were limitations that applied, but you could take that as part of your itemized deductions. Um, with the new tax law, um, theft losses and casualty losses are are no longer deductible. There are there are some exceptions um, if you're in a federally declared disaster area, um, but for the most part, those those have gone away. And how do you even keep track of all this stuff? Uh, I mean, it's crazy. We, we I mean, read all a the lot. changes. We've we've got good resources. Yeah, yeah. well, that, that's true. But I think in there's a lot of circumstances. I mean, in taxes, that it, it depends, right? Correct. There's yep. a lot of yep. it depends stuff. So, all right, Larry is calling in from Invergrove, I believe. Larry, we're listening. What is your question? Hi. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Happy almost New Year. Yeah. Uh, for recreation land, I'm thinking about retiring in, in probably a little bit less than a year, and I thought about buying a undeveloped lake lot. It has no buildings on it whatsoever, doesn't even have a driveway. But I have the means uh, with access to equipment, et cetera. I thought about putting a driveway in, clearing an area for a cabin or a trailer, uh, et cetera. And I was wondering, two questions, does it make sense for me to get, if I don't want to pay, I could pay for this outright with 401 money, but I don't want to do that. I would rather get a loan. So, 
two questions. Does it make sense for me to get this loan before I retire? I have top-notch, about as good a credit as you can get. And uh, second-fold, how much down is typically undeveloped rec land uh, required for a loan? And then can I get a 10- or a 15-year? That's the questions I have. Yeah, well, first of all, your best opportunity to um, get the best loan is from a, a local bank that's around that undeveloped piece of land because they'll understand it the most because there's appraisal stuff that we have to deal with too. So they have to verify that that land is 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 worth that money and people that are close to it understand what those values are. So I think that's a real important part of it. Um, I, obviously, you can even when you retire, you can still qualify based on um, assets and or what income you have coming from your uh, retirement plan. But I would be talking to them now and uh, and check that out. But I would definitely go to a, a local bank or a, uh, over there. And typically mortgage companies don't do that if there's not a house that's on it. Hmm. So, Okay. Very good. Thanks, Larry. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Here's a, a text, more of a comment, maybe a comment from you guys. Last year, it says, I got divorced and equity was split up, received around 50000 currently in the second year of a two-year lease of a townhome. I'm 58 years old, trying to decide if at this age I should start over and buy. I don't like the sound of a 30-year mortgage taking me to 88. Yeah, no one does. <laughs> um, yeah, and obviously, I mean, not many times people get to those that, that full 30 years um, just for a a number of reasons, lifestyle changes, blah, blah, blah. I think, um, I mean, Chris Mahol just kind of shared with us that there's some tax advantages that just kind of maybe went away um, by having that. So in being 58 and renting, you're getting the same deduction as you would if you were owning a property, but you're not getting the equity. And I think the other important part is, is that you got to watch out for these um, places that you're leasing um, because sometimes those owners decide to sell. And so you kind of, you don't really have your, um, you can't say, hey, I'm going to be here for the next 15 years because that owner might sell. And we've ran into that a lot, you know, where people are, are, are getting tossed out because the owner is finally saying, geez, I can finally sell, make some money on this, and you, you got to go find another place. Uh, text number, by the way, 81807. Here's another one, guys. So what needs to be done for a closing to happen? How long should a buyer have to get closing completed? Okay. Um, it, it really depends. If it's a if it's a cash deal and you don't have to go through the whole mortgage process, I mean, you could close basically probably within a week, as long as you get all the title work done. You want to have title work done because you want to make sure the property is free and clear, and that you can sell it later without having any issues um, on it. So, seven days uh, typically. It's probably forty five to sixty days that a closing is happening. Um, some are longer. Depends. I mean, we've got. Uh, a person that's buying a house that's it's a, the closing's a year, you know, because they're dealing with some inheritance stuff, and ah. so once they get that money, they'll be able to do it. So it all it all depends. It's all negotiable. All depends. Uh, maybe we can stretch this one out. What about cabins for capital gains? What can you glean from that question, guys? Yeah. So if um, I buy a cabin up north, um, and I've owned the cabin for thirty years. Um, you know, it's, it's not a, my primary home. It's not my primary home. Right. Just strictly a second home. Um, never been rented out or anything like that. Um, the gain on that is going to be taxable. So I buy the cabin thirty years ago for twenty thousand dollars, and it's worth two hundred thousand dollars now. 
I'm going to have to pay tax on that $180,000 of gain. And what about um, if that cabin was a second home? Can you 1031 that into something else? No. Okay. No. So the, the 1031, the like-kind exchange, applies for business property. So if it's a rental home, um, you know, a, a straight rental property, I can do a like-kind exchange with that. But a cabin, since it's personal property, I've used it just for my personal use. The 1031 is not allowed. I tell you what, let's go back to the phones. I see a line open if you want to use it for your real estate type of question. That is 651-989-9226. Lynn's calling from Morgan with a question. Lynn, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Thank you for taking my call. Mm -hmm. I have a question regarding a rental I own and have owned for eight years. And uh, if I sell my house and... I move into that one. Do I have to pay any tax? And also, it's in a business name rather than my personal name. Okay. Will that matter any? So basically, you have a principal residence that you've owned for whatever. You want to sell that. I mean, if he's lived in there right. more than two years, as, yep. a, as a married person, you can make up to 500000 No taxes, right, Chris? Correct. Okay. Now he wants Even- to... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I just uh, it, it's in a, a business name rather than my personal name. My rental is okay. And an LLC company will that make any difference? So he wants to move from his once he sells his house, move into the rental, okay, sure. which right. is under a business name. Okay, are you thinking that you'd live in it for a couple years and then be able to yep. sell it and not have a tax liability? That's what that's what I'm looking for. Okay, here we uh, go. <laughs> so, it, with a lot of tax answers, it really depends. So, so moving into a home that's in a business's name, the LLC's name, um, there could be tax consequences with that, depending on what type of tax entity the LLC is. If it's a corporation, an S corporation, just a single member LLC, um, th- there could be tax consequences with that. So, you know, in in the business's name, it it really depends. It, it could be that you could move in there, and there wouldn't be any issues with that. Um, but there could be some unintended tax consequences with that. So, again, with, without knowing all of the, the facts of that, it, um, it it really depends. And I really talked to a tax professional about that But it's that one. possible. It, it is possible, yeah, it's so depending, it's, depending on the facts. So you could move into your own rental property after you've owned it for eight years, depreciated during that time, move into your rental property after eight years, live there for at least two years, and then you could sell it and you, what? Uh, some it of depends. <laughs> it depends, it depends again, again. So it, it really depends because the, the, the rules are you look at, you know, the, the, the gain gets prorated based on how much it was used personal versus, um, rented out. So, so just by moving in there, living in it for two years, let's say it was a rental property for 15 years, I move in it for two years and then sell it. I don't get the full exclusion in that scenario. The rules changed five or 10 years ago with that, where, where now um, you need to prorate that, that gain. You'll lose some of the exclusion with that. You'd, you'll be able to exclude part of it, but not the whole amount with that. So okay. For, This sounds like me in our, our, our dialogues all the time when I'm trying to figure yeah. out different things and tax consequences. But, I mean, if he did own it, well, let's just say he did. He had it for eight years. Yep. He moved in it for two. He got some good appreciation sure. in there. And say he made a, he, it's up $100,000 and he depreciated another 100000 Yep. So he's, he's got, got 200000 gain. Yep. And then he lives in there for two years and it appreciates another 20000 Okay. At yep. that time. Yep. What's his situation? 
Uh, so, so there's a gain of $220,000 with that. He's going to pay tax on the depreciation he's taken, definitely. Um, but again, that the gain gets prorated, you know, without doing the math. It, you know, it's a function of how much personal versus how much rental and looking at those two. So it's more without, advantageous, though, to move into that. Yes, house. yes. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, it would be more advantageous. All right, we need to take a break, but we have more show to come. Thanks, Lynn, for, for the call. Uh, if you want to text in your question, 81807. And welcome back to our real estate show here on CCO Radio. Chris and Chris in, in the studio answering uh, answering your questions. I know we've got textures to, yeah, to feel, but you wanted to bring uh, yeah. something. Well, I was yeah. going to say, remember I told you about that, all the showings that yeah. I got, like yeah. in one day. Uh, another agent at our uh, brokerage, Remax Preferred, Matt Prettyman, um, he said he had five showings in the last seven days, five, three parties. Wow. With one scheduled tomorrow. It's been on the market for 18 months. 18 months. They had a price reduction two months ago with no action whatsoever. And then all of a sudden, kind of a flurry of action. Wonder why. And talking to those, um, the other people, uh, and why they're doing it. But year-end bonuses have been driving these showings, which so is that, quite interesting. That's an yeah. answer. Year-end yeah. bonuses. Wow. So we're going to try to get through all these taxes. Right. There's quite a few of them. Here's one that came in a bit ago. Uh, here, I'll read it. I uh, bought the Brooklyn Center House in 2014 for $150,000. I will have five years and then doing one year of Army service outstate. I want to rent that one year and expect to come back and live there. My house will be close to being paid off after that year. Will that renting affect my selling one day? Go for um, it. Yeah, so, so what will happen is so if you've rented it out for one year um, and you've taken depreciation on it, so let's say we took $2,000 of depreciation, ultimately when you sell that house, you have to take that depreciation as income. Other than that, um, as long as you've, you know, you you would have lived there for at least two out of the five years as your principal residence. Um, you'd be able to exclaim, exclude the gain except for the depreciation portion. Yeah, so if he came back and he just lived in it, because what you're talking about is that what the rules are is that you have to have that as a principal residence two out of the previous five years, right? Correct. To Correct. be able to get that big deduction for a married couple. Correct. Okay. So what he's saying is that, hey, I've lived there. I've already had it for five years. I'm doing service, so I'm going to rent it for that year. Then I'm going to come back and just live in it. What if I sell it 15 years down the line? Yeah. So then, then you'd have to track that depreciation you took for that one year going forward. Perfect. Other than that, um, pending any law changes, no problem. Yep. All right. The question is on a text. Are there still programs for first-time buyers in the suburbs of Minneapolis? Absolutely. Are there? Absolutely. And there's a lot of... Uh, um, uh, assistance, like down payment assistance programs. So Here's another tax question. Uh, the texter says, I missed the past three years of filing, 2015, 16, 17, taxes due to a personal auto accident. Can I just file them now? All three years I will receive a refund. Um, yeah, you'll, you'll definitely want to get those filed as soon as you can um, with that. So, yep, yeah, definitely get those filed. Um, what, are, what are penalties on that kind of thing? So it depends. It depends. <laughs> Again, course. it depends. It depends. Um, if if you don't file your return um, and you owe on the return, the penalty is 5% per month uh, for late filing penalties. There's late payment penalties and interest and those sorts of things. So so definitely you want to stay in compliance with your returns. Uh, if have a rental property that you turn into your residence and live there five years, how do you treat the depreciation taken in the past when you sell? And you just covered that? Yep, yep. Just like we mentioned, that, that depreciation will come back, and you'll have to pay tax on that. 
There was a question. Will that go is will that depreciation you have to pay tax on it or will that be counted as income as part of that five hundred thousand uh, dollars? outside of the five. It's outside yeah. of it. Okay. Uh, I know we've talked about this before. Uh, and how much Texter says should you pay a realtor to do the paperwork if you find your own buyer? I, I, that negotiable? really depends between you and the and the realtor. Yeah, it's it's totally negotiable. Um, it just depends how much you want to do. There is a thing called the facilitator agreement that because um, the problem is when when we start putting our name to something, all of the everything comes into play. So our insurance is intact and all that kind of stuff. But if we do a facilitator agreement, it's just based on the paper. I mean, it just becomes um, you know talk to an attorney or a realtor to be able to do that for you. Okay. Uh, regarding inquiry on a cabin that becomes a permanent residence, what happens when you sell the property? Um, so I've got a cabin. Cabin to live in. Yep, cabin used it for fifteen years. Decided to sell this and go move up there permanently. That becomes. Yep. It says regarding inquiry on a cabin that becomes a permanent residence. Mm-hmm. What happens when you sell the property? Yeah, I I, I believe under the new rules you'd. Um, You'd have to look at that, and um, you may not get the full gain uh, gain exclusion on that. So, so definitely talk to your tax advisor. Mm-hmm. Somebody wants to know who's the youngest person you've sold a house to. Any nineteen year olds? Yeah, actually, uh, sold one to an eighteen year old. Did you? Um, yeah, it, it was I, I was the listing agent, and they were actually the buyer, and it was kind of a, a, a rental property. So, that's the youngest I've sold it to. All right. Now, I'm not sure you guys helped me with this one. Uh, about talking, you keep talking about two and a half to five years as far as being able to talk to me again. What what happens after five years? Okay. You know what they're saying? I think they're saying talk to me again about what happens after five years. So yeah. I think what we were discussing is that you have to live in it two of the previous five years, even if you've owned it a hundred years. Correct. Correct. Under two, the, out of, two out of the last under the five. tax laws, under, current tax yes, laws. Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, so you have to live in the house. Yes, for two out of the past five years. Um, yeah, if you've lived there for, you know, like you say, 100 years, and I move out for six years, the, the gain's going to be taxable at that point. Yeah, and I think what's important to understand is that when you depreciate, you're getting tax benefits for that um, as you're going along. And so what the government is saying or the IRS is saying is that, hey, you got that benefit because you own that. Now, later on, you got to pay us back. Right. Really it, it's a it timing. Is. Yep. Well, we have a couple minutes to go. Any final thoughts, uh, from you guys. Wow. How about anything that someone could do um, on Monday to be able to have help their tax situation? Uh, take care of the charities. <laughs> write checks to charities. If okay. if you're not getting the standard deduction, if you'll be able to itemize. Um, and the, the rules for Minnesota are different, so you may be able to take the standard deduction on your federal return, take itemized deductions on your state return. So charitable contributions, help out those charities. Um, you know, if you have any losses on your stocks to offset gains. You could sell some stocks at losses now that, unfortunately, the market hasn't been doing great the last week. So mm-hmm. so a couple last-minute tips there. Okay. How about anything new that's coming next year that we should watch for? Um, federal side, I don't know that there's anything from the federal side. I mean, there's always things coming. Um, Minnesota will be interesting to see if they ever say they'll um, come into conformity with the federal rules with that. So I think Minnesota, there may be more changes than the federal side. Because we're not in conforming with the Correct, federal. correct. So the IRS, the standard deduction is $24,000 for a married filing joint couple. Um, for Minnesota, they didn't adopt the higher standard deduction amount. How about for someone to buy a super cool, like, 
uh, log cabin, VRBO-type place in Prescott, Wisconsin, by Monday. Would that help them for their taxes? Taxes, no, but Just say yes. a, gr- a great set. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got a real nice one over there if you want to know about it. But, yeah, you can always go to our, our website. We have Real Estate Radio Hour. Uh, actually, that's on Facebook. So if you do that, chrisrooney.com, and then it's Ms. Prasky.com, P-R-A-S-K-Y. Now, if somebody, uh, you know, they're talking over amongst themselves thinking, maybe maybe this is the year this coming that we want to sell, and let's make that move. What What's the first thing or second thing they should do? Call that to, realtor. To... Seriously, call a realtor that you uh, – that you trust in to be able to come out and kind of just tell you. A lot of people like to clean up their house. And, I was going to say start decluttering. The, yeah. I mean, that's always a good thing. But yeah. I'm telling you, the earlier you can get out the realtor, the, the better. All right. Happy New Year, Chris. Thank good you. to see you again. Thank you very much. Yes, Rooney, you too. Have a great New Year. and We'll be back again next week talking more real estate. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.